Good morning to everyone. Glad you're here. Glad you uh, chose to be with us. And as always, we hope our time here is beneficial. We can learn something from God's Word that will, will help us and to uh, help us today to sing praises to Him and to worship Him the way that He would have us to. There's a story of a preacher who just came to town. He was new in town. Uh, he decided he needed a suit clean, so he took his suit to the cleaners. And he went back to pick it up, and while he was picking it up, the lady said that'd be $10.50. So he's looking through his wallet, and he said, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I just have $9. That's all I have. He said, it's okay if I go back and, and I get the $1.50 and come back and pay you later. She said, yeah, I'll trust you for the $1.50. So he goes, and he's getting ready to walk out the door, and he grabbed the door handle, and he just thought for a minute. So he turned around, and he, he asked this lady, or he spoke to this lady, and he said, you know, I'm new in town, and you don't really know me that well. He said, uh, what if I had had $9, or, or if I had $1.50, and I still owed $9, would you still trust me with the $9? She said, no, I couldn't have trusted you with the $9. He said, so what you're telling me, you don't really trust me for $1.50, but you're willing to lose $1.50, but you're not willing to lose $9. He said, that's what you're telling me. And she said, yeah, that's pretty well what I'm telling you. So when you think about faith, we're going to talk about faith, whether we have $10.50 faith or whether we have $1.50 faith. Uh, are we willing to fully trust God, be all in, or do we, are we willing to give it a try, but we're willing to lose $1.50 if it doesn't work out? Um, I think that's what happens with our faith sometimes. We're going to talk about an individual today, Abraham, who had faith. The Bible talks about how much faith Abraham has. Matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 11, out of the 40 verses, uh, about nine of them is dedicated to the faith of Abraham. And all through scripture basically talks about the faith of Abraham. But Abraham didn't always have $10.50 worth of faith. Sometimes uh, Abraham just had $1.50. Um, he got himself into some situations because he didn't trust God. He didn't, as Titus just led us in the song a while ago, he didn't trust in God's promise. And uh, there were some consequences that he had to pay uh, because of that. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. So Abraham was a person that we need to be like. We need to have faith like Abraham. We need to have a faith in God that ultimately uh, is pleasing to God. Because without faith, we can't please God, as the Bible tells us, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. And faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11 and 1. So when we think about the faith of Abraham, God's telling us Abraham was a man of faith and we should be like him. But there were times, as I said, in Abraham's faith when uh, his faith didn't get him that far. There, there were times when, when he struggled with faith. There's times when his faith in God wasn't worth as much as it should be. It's kind of like Peter's life. You know, when Jesus told him when he was bringing him up out of the water, O ye of little faith. Didn't say that he didn't have any faith, but his faith 
and trust in God wasn't at the point that it should be. And there was times in Abraham's life um, when that was the case. Um, a little bit of background on Abraham that we're all familiar with. When Abraham was 75 years old, God told him this in Genesis 12 and verse 2. He said, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a great blessing. So God is making him a promise. God promised to make Abraham into a great nation. And that meant one thing. For him to do that, Abraham had to have kids, didn't he? And in the blessing in which God, as Abraham is taking that blessing, so he had to have children. Well, a few years later, Abraham says to God in Genesis 15, notice what he says beginning at verse 2. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring, Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one will come from your own body shall be your heir. So God repeated this promise uh, to Abraham. He says, You're going to have a son. And this son is going to come from you. So God reiterates this promise to him. Um, and, and Abraham here, uh, he needs to believe God. He wants to believe God. Abraham believed the Lord, and, and I think now he's all in. He has $10.50 worth of faith here. Uh, he, he's believing that promise. He's, he's counting on that promise. Um, he, he totally believed that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. But however, we fast forward a few years, and Abe. Uh, Abram here is getting, he's getting older. He's getting a lot older. And he begins to trim off about $9 worth of his faith here uh, because he's not having the son that God promised him. Um, now, because Sarah, his wife, she's tired of waiting for a child. So these years go by. Abraham knows the promise. He was all in. But now as the years kind of tick by... And Sarah starts to realizing, I need to have a child. I'm getting at the age where I can't have a child. God's not coming through with this. So Abraham starts to doubt. He starts to look at this promise of God, and he's not all in like he used to be. He's not trusting in God like he used to be. And in Genesis 16, again at verse 1, notice what Sarah says. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. So why would she suggest this? When she's getting old and the clock's ticking and if something isn't done, soon she's never going to have children. So she comes up with this plan um, that Hagar could have one, and she could call this one her own. Uh, I don't understand everything about this. I, I, I don't understand how she sh could suggest this, but at the time and the culture and the things going on, this is what took place. Now, what Abraham should have done was say, no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. He should have said, remember what happened to Adam when Adam listened to his wife? 
So I don't think I should do that. But that's a whole different lesson and we won't get into that today. But he didn't say that anyway. He didn't say he went along with, with what Sarah said. Now the reason he went wrong with this because his faith is not where it should be. He's not trusting in the promise like he did in the beginning. When God first gave him that promise, he was all in. He, he was every bit $10.50 of faith. But somewhere along the line, that's getting trimmed off. And that's what happens to us today. We see a promise, we hear a promise, we read this promise in God's Word of what God's going to do, and we're all in. When we become a Christian, we're all in. We're obeying Him, we're doing everything that He said to do, and we begin our walk in the light with Him. Well... Things don't work out exactly like we think it should. We've still got God's promise. If we hang in there, if we walk in the light, if we do what He says, we walk on that straight road that's full of, uh, of, of obstacles that's coming, we build our house on the rock, we do these things, God said, I'm going to come through for you. But somewhere along the line, we don't totally believe that. We start doubting because of some of the trouble we get into, and we start wanting to walk our own path because we think we know better. Yeah, God said to do this, but I'm not really seeing that yet. I'm not really seeing that promise, and that's what it is. God has promised us heaven. We're not there yet, and God told us how to get there, but we're not trusting the process maybe like we should because we think we can do better. Maybe we need to help God out. Maybe that's what God wants us to do. Maybe God wants us to help Him out in this plan. God wants us to come up with our own way. He said, okay, this is going to happen. I need to make it happen. But the problem is, God said, I'll make it happen. He didn't say they're going to make it happen. He's going to make it happen. And that's what they're not trusting in. Now, Again, I don't understand all of this of what, what Sarah is asking him, but that's, that's what they did, and, and they come up with this plan, and they do this. But then, after they do this, God, what does he do? God makes good on his promise. God does exactly what he said he was going to do. And he comes up with this, but the problem is... Now they've got this blended family. Now, Abraham later on has more children, but the, the ones we're going to focus on are these two, the Ishmael and the Isaac. We're going to focus on the, the promise here of what, what God gave him. Now, since they went ahead and come up with this plan, they've got Ishmael. Now, God comes up with his plan. He fulfills his plan. He delivers on what he says he's going to do on his timeline, not on their timeline. And since it wasn't on their timeline, they had to do take matters in their own hands. So now you've got Ishmael and you've got Isaac and you've got this blended family. Now, doesn't mean that blended families can't work. There are situations in which there are blended families. But in this case, it's not going to work. They're not going to be one happy Brady Bunch family here. Something is wrong. And what's wrong is they are taking matters in their own hands. They thought they knew what was right. And the plan is not working out like they thought it should. Now God had a plan. God told them this is how it's going to be. He made them the promise of how it's going to be. And now they're saying, oh, let's help you out on this. But now they're realizing, okay, we shouldn't have done this. We shouldn't have gave up on God so quick. We should have stayed all in on this. Because what happens when we lose faith and trust in God, we start trusting in ourselves. The Bible tells us there's a way that seemeth right unto men, but the end are therefore the ways of death. It's not in man to direct his own steps. 
We've got to trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. He'll direct our steps. They didn't believe that. They didn't fully believe that. They didn't have no faith. They just had about $1.50 worth of faith. And I think that sometimes happened to us uh, in our lives. Now, sometimes, these, as I said, these, this, these families work, but in this case it's not working. Look at uh, Genesis 16, beginning at verse 4. It says, He went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised uh, in her eyes. <coughs> Excuse me. Then Sarah said to Abram, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Now Sarah is so harsh to Hagar that she takes Ishmael and, and she flees the camp of, of Abraham thinking that even dying in the desert would be better than being mistreated uh, by Sarah. But angel of God appeared to Hagar and convinces her to return to the camp of, of Abraham. But even after that, even after that, things, get, uh, things never get much better. Here's what we're told uh, after Isaac is born in Genesis 21. Notice beginning at verse 9. It says, And when Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian whom she had borne to Abraham. Notice what she saw him doing. Saw him scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely uh, with Isaac. So Ishmael made the mistake. Ishmael mocked. Uh, some version says laugh, but the actual word is mocked. So he mocked Isaac in front of Sarah. So here you have a, a, volatile, a volatile situation anyway. You've got Hagar with Ishmael. You've got Hagar despising Sarah because of, uh, of Ishmael, because of what she wanted to do. And you've got now uh, Sarah despising Hagar and, and wanting to cast her out. Because I mean, you just got all of this mess going on. Now you've got Isaac and Sarah sees Ishmael, who she's got a problem anyway, mocking her golden boy. She don't like that. You don't do that in front of no mama. You do that in front of mama, things are going to happen, and they did. And then here's Sarah uh, is upset, so uh, uh, Hagar and Ishmael had to look for a new home. Now the question is this. Why would God tell us this story? You know, we talked about the story of Jonah in, uh, in our Bible class and the bitterness that he had and all this. Why, why does God record these things? Why did God tell us this story? I mean, if God... Uh, if I were God, I believe I would have focused just on Isaac. I mean, Isaac was the golden one. Isaac was the promised one. He's the central story. He's the star of Genesis. Why not just fo focus on Isaac? Why, why include this part um, with Ishmael? Most people focus on Isaac, don't they? You know, we think about the promise. We think about Isaac. In other words... We stand on the promises, as Titus led us in that song. We're, we focus on that part of it. But what about the part where we try to take matters in our own hands? What about the part where there's a promise, but then in the middle of that promise, we start deciding what we think is right, and we kind of muddy the water. We, we kind of create some problems along the way. 
Look, we don't want to think about that, but I think this story is recorded here so we can know we've got to be all in. We've got to trust in God. Because when we don't trust in God, then it becomes a problem. Then there becomes issues. God still can work those issues out, but there's consequences and there's things along the way that we may have to suffer because of it, because of the decisions in which we make. When all we needed to do was trust in what God said. Period. But we listen to other people. We listen to ourselves. We've already got this, this kind of... I mean, we can go back to Adam and Eve to the very beginning. Here's what God promised them. He gave them this wonderful home and Satan convinced them it wasn't the end all, end all. It wasn't a great thing. God was an awful person. God's lying to them. They could become so much more they know better. And they believed him. Well, that's the same thing that's happening here with Abraham and Sarah. Satan is getting involved there. Satan is whispering in their ears, God's not come through on this yet. God, God made you a promise. Do you think God's going to deliver? Look how old you are. You, there's no way you can have a baby. Are you crazy? Matter of fact, the Bible even said when they first told him that, Sarah laughed in her heart. She's like, I can't do that. That's the point. They can't. And since they can't, they shouldn't try to do something that God said He's going to do. He's the only one that can do this. They can't. So they come up with a plan themselves. And we, we're seeing here the result. We're even seeing it today. The result of it. I mean, turn on the news now and you see it. Because individuals are making a decision and saying, I know better than God. I'm not fully trusting in him. Just like we was talking about Jonah when it comes to bitterness and judging, we're dethroning God. We're saying, I know more than God does. I can do it better than God does. And that's what we're seeing here uh, with Abraham. <clears throat> so again, why even bother telling us this part of the story? Well, I think there's a few reasons. And I want us to talk, if we can, briefly today about three of them. First, this whole mess started when Abraham... I think his faith started to wane, as we were saying earlier. I think now he's getting about $1.50 worth of faith because some time has gone by. He's not seen the promise yet. He's getting pressure from Sarah, so he figures he has to do something. I, I think that's why he's telling us this. It has to do with Abraham's faith. He knew God's promise. He just wasn't sure he could trust him. And so instead of waiting on God, again, he tried to fix the problem. Himself. I found a poem that said this, and I thought it really, really was fitting. It says, there's a, uh, as, a, as children bring their broken toys with tears for us to mend, I brought my broken dreams to God because He was my friend. But then instead of leaving Him in peace to work alone, I hung around and tried to help with ways that were my own. At last I snatched them back and cried, How could you be so slow? My child, he said, what could I do? You never really did let go. And I think that's true, isn't it? I think that's a good representation of it. I think we're, we're giving these things to God. We say, I, I believe in your promise, but we just don't want to let go. It's like we were talking about with Jonah. He didn't want to let go of that bitterness. When God can fix it, when God can do what God does and, and, and uh, uh, show him how great he is... Jonah didn't want to let go of that. And I think that's what Abraham and Sarah had. They don't want to truly let go and trust in God fully. They don't want to let him have it all and say, 
I know you're going to come through on that promise. I don't know when. You know, one of my favorite lessons that I've done over the years and one of my favorite studies is about how God is able to do something. You know, we've got to trust that he's able to do it. It doesn't matter when, it doesn't matter how. We just got to know that he's able to do it. And I think that's what happens here. Uh, that was Abraham. He knew the promise. He was going to have a son, but he tried to help God in ways that were his own to make that promise come true, and it cost him. C.S. Lewis said this, Whatever you do in your life, God will make good of it. But not always the good he had prepared for you if you had trusted him. And here kind of brings me to my next observation here, is that God always works good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8 and 28 tells us that. We know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Now, all things may work together for good, but what we're seeing in Abraham's case and what we may see in our, our case is, okay, God knows the plan. God, God has the plan. God has the promise. We, we, we see the promise. But what happens is, God, God knows the best point between point A and point B is a straight line, right? We, we learned that in, in school. The, the straightest way from point A to point B is a straight line. Well, that's what God has in plan for us. That's what God has in store for us. But somewhere along the line, we go from A to maybe A1, A2, A3. Over, we go all the way over here, and we're taking the long way around to try to get to B because we're trying to get to B our way instead of God's way. And what happens, as we're going to see here with Abraham, as he can do with us, when we realize that, God can take us from point A4 and get us to B, but what did we miss along the lines when we didn't take the straight road? What blessings did we miss? Now what baggage did we have to carry with us with the consequences because we didn't take that straight way in which God said for us to take? God can make it work, and God's going to make it work, even when he knows that we're going to mess up. He can make it work, but there's consequences for us. And there's blessings that we can miss out on because we fully doesn't trust, don't trust the promise. When we need to take the shortest road from A to B, and that's that straight line in which God provides, even as hard as it is to take. See, we think it's an easier way. I do this a lot every time I travel. That lady comes on GPS and she tells me to turn right here or here. But I know better than what she says. I know. I've got a compass on my truck dash there that says east, west, southwest, southeast. And if I'm going west, as long as it keeps saying west, I don't have to take the way that she says. I'll take the way I'm going west. I'm going to still go west no matter what road I'm going on. But then what I don't realize is, yeah, I may get there, but I may be right in the middle of traffic and I'm sitting two hours. I'm going the way I need to go, but now I'm in traffic when I could have took this road and not be in traffic. I could have took this and not be in this wreck. I could have took this and had not on this road, curvy roads and all this. That's the way our Christian life is. I may say, okay, I know I need to go this way, and I'll go over here, and I get myself in such a mess. I'm stalled out. I'm depressed. I'm doubting. I'm resentful, whatever it may be over here. When God said, if you just stayed over here, I could have spared you all of that. But now I'm going to get you from where you're at here to get you back on the right way. And that's going back to trust in me. 
So just like we do in a car, we have to hit that little thing that says reroute and then get us back on the right path we're supposed to be on. That's what God has to do. And that's what God's doing here with, with Abraham. Now, did he know everything they were going to do? Well, yeah, he's God. But Abraham Sarah now has to deal with those consequences of where they have gotten to. So now, going back to our story, Abraham messes up. He created a problem in his family because he didn't fully trust in God. But in Genesis 21, beginning at verse 12, notice this. But God said to Abraham, Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac your seed shall be called. Yet I, also make a na- I will also make a nation for the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. Now did you catch that? He said, Yes, Abraham, you messed up. And yes, it didn't have to be like this, but, but that's okay because I can make things better. There, there's going to be some things we're going to have to deal with now that you're going to have to deal with. But God said, I'm still God. I've still got control of this. I can still handle this. Your seed that I promised you is still going to accomplish what I said I'm going to accomplish. Because remember, we can go, go back to where God said, My word will not return to me void. <laughs> God's going to accomplish what He's going to accomplish. Now, there's things along the way that He wants me to accomplish. I may not do them as quick as He wanted me to. I may not do them the way that He wanted me to. And He may have to jerk me by the collar and get me back on the straight and narrow way. But it's going to be accomplished. I may just miss out on some things along the way. Now, it doesn't mean that He's going to save me anyway. It doesn't mean that He's going to do whatever Abraham does. God's going to say, that's all right, Abraham. It didn't make any difference. My plan's going to be accomplished. No, they, we've got to change. We've got to do what he says to do to get back on that right path. But I think the lesson he's teaching us here is when we get off the path, God can still get us back on the path. God can still get us back on the right way, even with the consequences that we have to suffer because we, we got off the wrong way. Another observation here. God can take my mistake and messes and weave them into his message. Because uh, he's still giving us, I mean, this is the good news message. This is, this is what we need to know. Those things written aforetime were written for our learning. So he can take the mess that we make and he can turn it into a message for him. Someone said it this way, that only God can turn a mess into a message, a test into a testimony, and a trial into a triumph. That's what I believe God did in the life of Abraham. He took uh, his faith that was at $10.50. He was all in, and it was counted unto him righteousness, the Bible says. Then it got down to where he only had about a buck fifty because he started doubting what God says, and he says, I can take even that faith, and I can make it into something. I can take that, and I can make that into a message for me. I can take that faith the size of a mustard seed, and I can create something great out of it. That's why he called Abraham, wouldn't it? That's, that's, that's the whole reason. God has this plan. You know, the world can talk about predestination. They can talk about we don't have any choice, that God's going to do what he wants to do. It comes down to God has a plan. That plan is pre-made. That plan is going to be done. God is going to accomplish his will. What we have to decide is how are we a part of that will? How are we a part of that message? How are we a part of that straight and narrow way? 
How far do we veer off of it and get back? How much consequences can we deal with along the way? Because see, the things that we do don't only affect me, it affects those that are around us. What Sarah and Abraham decided to do didn't only affect them, it affected Hagar, it affected Ishmael, it affected Isaac. It's affecting us today. Still. Consequences of not standing on the promises of God. But we have to do that. Now notice, again, God can take, he did this in the life of Abraham, he did this in the life of Sarah, he did it in the life of Hagar. He took their lives with all the mistakes and message and he weaved them into a message of salvation. And here's that message. Look in Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 21. Notice what Paul is saying here as concerning the law with the way of Christ. Notice how he weaves this story into this, into this great message of good news. He says, starting in verse 21, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? I like how he starts out here. He's like, do you not, not even hear? You, you want to be under the law, but do you not even hear what the law says? Do, do you not even understand it? Notice in verse, starting in verse 22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by bondwoman, the other by free woman. But he who has the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through the promise, which things are symbolic. For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with their children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all, for it is written, Rejoice, O barren, who do, uh, who, you who do not bear, break forth and shout, you who are not in labor, for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. So why did God record this, to have this recorded for us? Because of the message that it brings. It, it, it affected them, it affects us. Because he's saying, okay, those that are trusting in the law, those who think they're living by the law, in essence, those who think they deserve and can earn salvation through the law, you're like Hagar. You're not of the promise. You're of the uh, effect that I deserve this. Hagar got to thinking, well, here I've had Ishmael with, with, with Abraham. I, I deserve this. And I've got to do all this to live up to this. That's what uh, Paul is comparing this to. He said, that's just like old Jerusalem. Old Jerusalem that thinks the Jerusalem of that time, rather, the earthly Jerusalem, they thought that they could live by the law. These, these, these Pharisees, these Sadducees, all these religious leaders, they could live by the law, and if they do every tedious thing of the law, they deserve salvation. He said, okay, you're, you're like that. You're like the law that comes from, from Mount Sinai. You're like Hagar. The other one, the free, and you're, you're slaves to that. The other one is the free that's of the promise that's of Sarah. You didn't deserve it. It's God who did it. We didn't deserve Christ. It, it, it's God who did it. It's God who brought it. It's not anything that we deserve. It's because of the promise. And we live by that promise and we've got to trust in that promise. And that's what we live by. Not that we deserve it. Not that I can do all of these things for it. It's that promise that God made us. He said, here's the plan. Live by the plan. This is what I promise to do for you. But if you deviate from that plan, what have we done? We've stepped out of the light. 
right? So Paul is making this comparison. So he's taking this message from what Abraham and Sarah and Hagar did with Ishmael and Isaac. He's taking this and he's saying, you're just, here's like the ones who's trusting in the law and here's the one who's trusting in Christ. You think you've got a better plan than God does. That's what Jerusalem was doing at that time. That's what the Jews were doing. They were trying to hang on to the law and rejecting Christ. They thought, we've got the better way here. Here, you gave us the law. We're living by this. And he said, don't you even hear the law? That's not what it was designed to do. It was designed to make you aware of sin. Not to save you. That's not the promise. The promise is Christ. The promise is the seed in which he promised Abraham, which is Christ. That's what you live by. That's what the promise is. So the same thing that he, he says for us today. We don't deserve salvation. We, we don't deserve it. We think we can live by every little bit and we try to come up with our own ways of doing it. This is what I think is best and we reject God's ways because we've not yet seen the promise. That promise is heaven. Well, I'm not there yet. Am I going to get there? Am I going to be able to do it? Am I good enough to do it? I deserve to do it and I'm going to live by this and God owes that to me. No. Christ is a gift. We didn't deserve it. And He's given us the way to do it. We've got to trust in that promise and stay out of the way. Don't come up with our own line of thinking. So if you're here today, think about that. Think about in your life where you thought you knew better than God. If you don't obey the gospel, you think you know better than God. I've got a better way. I think I know more. I'm not believing what God said. Today's the day to trust in that promise. We sung that song earlier, Standing on the Promises of God. We stood up and sang it. Do we truly believe it? Do we truly believe that we're standing on the promises, that we have a promise of heaven, we can't achieve it if we follow God? By repenting of our sins, confessing that Jesus is the Son of God, being baptized for the remission of those sins, living a faithful life to Him, having $10.50 worth of faith. In other words, all in. We're all in. But somewhere along the line, maybe... Your faith has waned. You started listening to the world. You started thinking yourself. You started, well, I don't know. I, I gave it a try. I was willing to give up this much, but I'm not willing to give up all of it. Then you've not been fully trusting God. You need to come back to Him. You need to fully trust in the promise. You may have got over here on, uh, uh, you may have left point A, and you may be over here on A.4. But God can take you from that A.4 and He can bring you back to get you on the line, a straight line to B, straight line to heaven. But you've got to trust Him. You've got to be willing to give up your will and trust in His.